the story I actually end up telling the most is, you know, crying on the floor after my dad telling me I was dead to him for following, deciding to go to India and follow my path and just being like, wow, Mm. I guess this whole thing was bullshit. They tell you to follow your dreams and (laughs) here I am doing it and I am dead to him. You know what? If I'm dead to him, then I have no one else to live for but myself. That's right. Welcome. I'm Alyssa Nobriga, your host of the Healing and Human Potential podcast, a place for you to discover the multidimensionality of what it means to be human. Over the past 20 years, I've trained thousands of coaches in my methodology, leveraging my experience as a former psychotherapist, and I'm here to share with you all the wisdom and insights that I've learned along the way. Each week, I'll share with you life-changing tools to support you in awakening and manifesting your dream life from the inside out. We'll be exploring the intersection between ancient wisdom and modern everyday life, really diving deep into the art of human potential through the lens of psychology, spirituality, and coaching. Let's let the magic unfold. I've been tuning into this community to see how I can serve you best, and I'm hearing that many of you are having a hard time tapping into a true sense of purpose. And sometimes we can make purpose out of this big, grand revelation, but it's really important to remember that everyone's journey is unique and purpose is a personal concept. And so it can take different forms for different people. Maybe that aha moment comes with asking yourself different questions or really just shifting your perspective. But regardless of how you may view it, I want to help you discover the secrets to living a purpose-filled life. And it can be as simple as finding joy in whatever you're doing, building meaningful connections, or contributing to your communities. And so whether you're at a crossroads with your career, you're navigating relationships, or just seeking deeper connection within yourself, you are in the right place because this episode is going to serve you. I am super excited to be joined by my dear sister, Sahara Rose. Sahara is an expert in helping people tap into their soul's purpose. And she's a best-selling author. Deepak Tripper called her a leading voice for the millennial generation. And so get ready to be delighted by this inspiring and nourishing episode. Yay! (laughs) I love that you are here. I love you so much. And I love that you teach people about following their dharma, essentially living their life's purpose. And I know there's a lot of people that are like, I have external expectations from what my parents think I should do, or maybe my spouse doesn't support what I'm up to. What do you tell people that are like, how do I find my dharma? How do I honor my dharma? Yes. So let's get to what is dharma. So the word dharma is an ancient Sanskrit term, and it has a lot of different definitions. But the one that I refer to is the Vedic one, so really ancient. And essentially it means your unique place in the jigsaw puzzle of the universe. Mm. So I like to think of it as the big why, the reason why you're here, your soul's purpose. So I feel like in the Western world, when we talk about purpose, it's very focused on on career and, yeah. and direction. And that's an element of your dharma. But your dharma is really so much more. Yeah, because it's, it's like it's if I'm not are. working... And then I'm not living my purpose. That kind of seems incongruent. It tends to be, you know, we spend on average, if you have a job, like eight hours a day mm-hmm. in doing our, our work. So if your work is out of alignment with who you are, there's mm-hmm. going to be some discrepancies. So that's why your career, which is bas- basically your seva, it's your offering to, to the world. Yeah. 
kind of must at some point be in alignment with your dharma, but it doesn't necessarily start there. So think of your dharma as not just what you do, but why you do it and how you do it. It's your essence. It's your magic sauce. So for example, now you have this podcast. I have a podcast. Lots of our friends have podcasts, but every podcast is distinct and unique. So if I said my dharma is to be a podcast host, it's like, well, what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. But each podcast, each person, each coach, each um, therapist has their own unique way of delivering that message. And it's not just in that, it's reflected in how they decorate their home, how they show up in conversations, how their social media accounts are. Everything is a reflection of your dharma. Mm -hmm. So your dharma is really understanding who you are and then how it is portrayed to the outer world. So I say it's kind of you in action. Okay. Right. Because like who we are, I mean, that's like a very big question that I know we've kind (laughs) of had these deep (laughs) existential conversations, but it's like now my dharma is, you know, for example, my dharma, and I believe all of our dharmas on the highest level is to raise the vibration of the planet. Mm -hmm. But the way that I do it is through expression. That's a huge piece of it. So it's like expression through my voice, expression through my music, expression through my dance, expression through uh, speaking and living my truth. And I do it in this way, like my vehicle is very colorful. It's bright, it's sunny, it's it's carnival in human form. And and, and, but it also has a lot of deep ancient wisdom and Uh reverence and truth. And, And I'm also a very like academic and intellectual person. So it's bringing all of these pieces of me, plus my ancestry, plus my childhood, plus my preferences all together. So that's really your dharma. So I wanted mm-hmm. to start there because it's so easy to be like, fill out a quiz. What's my dharma? <laughs> Am I this? And it's like, and and keep in mind that while that big aspect of who you are will always be the same throughout your life, what you focus on at this time will mm-hmm. shift. Mm-hmm. So when someone asks your question of how do I know what my dharma is, yeah. I've created something called a dharma blueprint, which if you want, we can go through, which are five different areas of your life cool. brought together. And it allows you to now focus your energy on something. Okay, great. Right? Because yeah. I find it's like, oh, great. I'm an eternal soul having a human experience. Like now what? Like I got to <laughs> pay my bills. Like so, so I created the, the dharma blueprint in my book, Discover Your Dharma. And it's really helpful. And it's to the point that it works on anyone. Like mm-hmm. I've literally was once dared to hold a street, a, a, a sign on the streets of Boston saying, I can help you find your purpose in three hours. And right. I literally was paired with a random person and I, and I did, and she's a photographer now. So, <laughs> Bless. so these are these nine archetypes, which I can list them out. So the archetypes are the visionary, mm-hmm. the teacher, the entertainer, the artist, the researcher, the nurturer, the warrior, the activist. I'm like, I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of all of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh-huh. what's the last one I'm forgetting right now? Um, it'll come to me. I'll, I'll explain them all. So yeah. the visionary, you and I have this. The visionary is here to bring forth the future vision. So if you are someone that's inspired by communication, inspired by authors, podcast hosts, thought leaders, likely you are the visionary. And the person that is inspiring to you is inspiring because it's a reflection of of an aspect of you. Mm -hmm. So we've got the visionaries and all of them have light and shadow sides, which we we can go into as well. So the teacher, you're definitely the teacher. I'm the teacher here to impart knowledge. Mm. So it's a little different than the visionary because the visionaries can be like like Martin Luther King, you know, yeah. very big picture, like yeah. bringing people to a higher level perspective. The teacher may be a teacher of algebra or mm-hmm. history or whatever else. They're really here to teach people like frameworks, whereas the overall visionary is here to inspire people to see a higher level of consciousness. So, and and again, we have all of these archetypes yeah. in various amounts. Yeah. 
um, the nurturer, which you are such a nurturer, <laughs> is here to really work with people, especially like one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. and dive deep. Mm -hmm. And they have so much empathy and they're able to like bring forth your truth in this really like loving way instead of necessarily it being a big talk. It's like asking you questions. Mm -hmm. So the coach mm -hmm. totally. is like the nurturer archetype. Yeah. Oprah, yeah. you know, so it's, it's like, she takes the one-on-one -on -one model, but like Visionary. mass. Yeah, exactly. So she, but it's her nurturer. That is what America loved about her. As you're sharing this, does this mirror either astrology or Enneagram or is it, I mean, it, there's like, I'm sure elements that cross over. We can over. talk about how, I'm curious. yeah, because I know you're the Enneagram uh -huh. queen here. So that would be an interesting conversation. You know, it's not related to astrology just because I find sometimes with these, I love astrology and human design, but sometimes it could be very limiting of like, yeah. oh, I guess I'm a generator or I guess I'm Boxed a in. Virgo or whatever. Whereas this is self-defining. And mm -hmm. as you get to know yourself, your idea of yourself shifts, yeah. right? Yeah. So for example, when I wrote Discover Your Dharma, which came out in 2021, I was very much in my visionary teacher. I had elements of the artist. I knew that. Whereas now stepping into in exactly cre creating my album, which comes out March 8th. And I'm, I'm like, I'm still a visionary number one, yeah. but then artist is right under. Um, and I'll always have the teacher mm. in me, but I'm activating my artist more. Mm -hmm. So I believe all like we tend to have top like two, three, yeah. and, but they can dance in terms of their relevancy in Got our it. lives. Yeah. So and I like that, that you can consciously nurture another part of you. Yeah. Yes. And we'll talk about the most important one to nurture is the one that you're the least. Ooh, I yes. like that. I tend yes. to go there. Yeah. yeah. So the artist is here to bring beauty to the world, mm -hmm. you know, through whether it's poetry or music or dance or creativity, think Frida Kahlo, mm -hmm. but everything they do, whether she was writing or painting or her fashion, it was such an expression of her. Yeah. Like you could tell this is Frida. Yeah. I mean, that would be similar to the four in the Enneagram, the individualist. Mm. They're like the soul deep divers. They're the ones that like want to bring beauty and art into the world. There. We, so what would the visionary be? Let me feel into it. Let me feel into it. Okay. Yeah. And the teacher, if you have an idea of that one. The teacher. So that's more like, I think it's when it becomes more of a way of being, then I can connect more to the personality mm -hmm. more than what they're doing. Okay. But so I'll play with it. I'll, I'll share as it comes clear as yeah. you're sharing. Yeah. Let me know. Okay. Yeah. I find visionary people tend to, I relate them to the doshas, the Ayurvedic mm -hmm. archetype. So they tend to be very Vata air energy, yeah. right? Big picture idea people. Teachers have that, but they tend to have a little bit more grounding of like, here's mm -hmm. this big concept. Now, how can I help you understand it? So they yeah. have a little bit more of that Kapha earth energy too. Okay. They're very connected to how are you going to receive it? Yeah. Similar to a nurturer, which would be similar to a two, a helper in the Enneagram. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The difference between a teacher and a nurturer though, is a teacher could actually be very disconnected from their heart, mm -hmm. right? We all have had those their, teachers their heads. Yeah. exactly in school that are like, okay, then the civil war happened on this date and this, uh -huh. and like everyone's eyes are glazed over. Whereas a nurturer would never, you know, they're so deeply connected with people because it's, it, there's no agenda. Whereas a teacher has an agenda, which is to share this information. Yeah. So then the teacher might be similar to the five in the Enneagram, okay. the individualists. And like okay. the fives are very much the professors. They find knowledge yeah. and safety through what they know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think what the Dharma archetypes tune into is more of your Dharma, your purpose, your expression. And then what Enneagram tunes into is like personality. personality. So I think it can also be, yes. it's not yes. necessarily one-to-one. -one. Yep. Um, so then the artists here to bring beauty to the world, you could tell everything they do from their social media feel, um, feed, et cetera, to them. Mm -hmm. Um, then we've got the warriors. 
So love the it. warriors are here to protect and lead. Yeah. They love camaraderie. They love to be part of a group and have a shared goal. Mm. A lot of times they go into fitness because mm-hmm. they love that like goal setting and like come together, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Like Tony Robbins, mm-hmm. major warrior energy. Mm-hmm. He's a visionary and a teacher as well. Yep. But he, that warrior energy, it's like, he, we're going to walk on goal. We're going to get it done. <laughs> I mean, his stature is such a warrior, yeah. right? So he draws people who who want to bring more, I mean, unleash the power within. It can't be a more warrior <laughs> name than that. Totally. You know, And that could be somewhat similar to the eight, the challenger. Taking I feel, on yes. big challenges. Yeah. yeah, totally with the eights. Yeah. That's, that's it. It's that going against the the grit, going against the norm and like taking a stand for something. Um, and then they all have shadows. The shadow of that could be like, is what you're focusing your energy on really important? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, sometimes I can use like the fitness world is like, you're so obsessed with the macros and the, this, and it's Mm -hmm. like, now what? Yeah. (laughs) You got the perfect body. Like what happens now? You know, exactly. Yeah. Which brings us to the activist. So that was the one I, that was the ninth one I forgot. So the activist is here to create a more just world. Mm -hmm. So Marianne Williamson, such an example of this, anything they do is going to have a societal, global, political emphasis, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, and, and they can show up and they tend to be, of course, like a a researcher activist is going to be doing it through their research. A nurturer one is going to be maybe working with people on decolonizing their mind, a visionary one through speaking. I find the activist is a big one that a lot of times we feel pressured to be with social media when there's mm-hmm. these big issues come up. It's like, okay, everyone be an activist. And like, not everyone has their activist, but I also find it's the archetype a lot of people are the most afraid of stepping into because yeah. you're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Because yeah. the truth is as an activist, you're, there's always going to be someone with the opposite stance. And yeah. like, and it's hard to really know because every every political or, you know, there's different Conflict. points of views. Exactly. Yeah. You could spend a lifetime studying one and not get to the bottom of yeah, it. Yeah. That reminds me a little bit of the one which has a lot of integrity, the perfectionists. So they want to do what's integrous and right. Love that. Uh-huh. Totally. It's it's very much about morality. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which we can also actually connect to different planets, like planetary archetypes. So that's like the quality of Mars. Okay. Like people who are Martian, Mars, they tend to have like um, really broad shoulders and like think of a Madonna body. Like they're very muscular and fit and compact, but it's very like right or wrong. Mm. So there, I love all the architects. <laughs> I mean, like, 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 let's bring it into human design. Let's bring it into this. <laughs> Just get to know each other, yeah. each other ourselves better. <laughs> Imagine having a fulfilling career doing what you love, working from anywhere in the world, setting your own hours while making good money and a big impact. If that lights you up, then I'm super excited to share with you today's sponsor, the Institute for Coaching Mastery. This is my robust accredited year-long certification program for newer seasoned coaches, therapists, leaders, and those just looking to up-level their life in a profound way. We have an amazing community of students from all around the world who have really started their journey to expand with us both personally and professionally. And this experience is designed to give you the three things that you need to thrive. So first, you have all of the tools and support you need to move past what's been holding you back so that you can completely change the trajectory of your life. And then you learn how to masterfully and confidently facilitate transformation with your clients or your team, regardless of your niche. If you want to do health, business, relationship, or you just have no idea yet, we hold your hand through that. And then lastly, you'll receive my six figure and beyond signature roadmap that's customizable to meet you wherever you are. So whether you want to do high ticket sales, online marketing, or you just want to hit six figures without ever needing to go on social media, we've got you covered. 
and this truly is the most rewarding work in the world. We have new students now who have a waitlist of dream clients in under a year. We also have seasoned students who are doing $80,000 months. And this is really about creating lasting transformation from the inside out so that you can share your gifts and serve the world in all the ways that you're called to. And I've seen firsthand the power of what happens when you have the community to collaborate with, but you also have the right tools and resources to really thrive. And so whether you want to do your own personal development, you're wanting to become a coach, or you're just looking for a cutting edge approach to really grow your business, the Institute for Coaching Mastery is for you. You are held every single step of the way. And so if you want to get behind the scenes access to the Institute with three proven transformational tools for free to help you create the business and life you love, all you have to do is go to alissanobriga.com forward slash tools, or you can find us at alissanobriga.com forward slash apply now to see all the details and apply today. So the next one we can talk about is the researcher. So the researcher is here to understand things deeply mm -hmm. and they aren't going to do it based on an idea. They're going to do it based on facts, information, research. So someone like a Dr. Joe Dispenza, mm -hmm. Deepak Chopra, they're strong researchers, mm -hmm. even though they are teachers as well, but it's always with science and information. Mm -hmm. And what's so beautiful about the researchers, I feel like it's kind of a lost art in our society. Yeah. Like we just look at headlines and we're like, oh, this, this must is true. be true. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, did you even click the article? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what I love about the researchers, they're not like Andrew Huberman. I feel exactly the reason why his thinking. podcast is so big is because he's, he's not going to just say, oh, here's what I believe about long-term relationships. He's going to show you the science and the information. Yeah. However, with the researcher, one of their shadow aspects is they never feel like they're ready. There's mm -hmm. always more research. There's always mm -hmm. more information. Mm -hmm. So there are probably researchers out there that have like the cure to cancer and, yeah. you know, all these things, but they're, they're not ready. So there's a huge integrity piece in that, but yeah. also this, like sometimes Shadow. exactly, you just have to know, you're never going to know the total picture of everything, especially with science and innovation and technology, just like quickly emerging. Mm -hmm. It's like put out what you have and with then the information you have exactly. as much as you've done. I want to hear about the developing the parts where you're least good at. I want yes. to hear this angle. Yes. So I always say the Dharma archetype that you're the least of is your hole in the pocket. Mm. So if you don't develop this archetype, it's going to be the one that prevents you from actually stepping into the archetype that you are the highest in. Mm. So for example, for myself, I, I identify mostly as a visionary. Mm -hmm. However, the one I was the least in was the warrior. Mm -hmm. and I did not want people to not like me. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I couldn't stand controversy. I mean, you've seen like anytime there was like haters on my social media, I would freak out. Yeah. You know, I remember yeah. we were uh -huh. in a mastermind in 2020 and it was so much for my nervous system yeah. to deal with, but that was preventing me from being a visionary. So and speaking a truth, speaking my truth mm -hmm. and standing for what I believe in, because mm -hmm. I mean, if you can't be a warrior, you can't really be a visionary, yeah. but I, had a lot of judgment around warriors. Yeah. Okay. Warrior people. I was like, they're aggressive. Like I never really had warrior friends. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like being around that, like kind of like chaotic, fiery energy. And when I would see people like that, I would sort of stay away from them mm -hmm. because I was uncomfortable yeah, with, with the fire. Own. Yeah, exactly. So I had to, with time, learn how to be in my warrior, learn how to stand for something, even if people don't like it, learn how to say something, even if I'm, I'm being canceled for it. Yeah. And now I could very easily tap into my warrior. I like being my warrior. I would never say it's going to be my first that I lead with, yeah. but it's what I believe has also allowed me to develop into an artist. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, you, know? you feel more well-rounded, more whole. Exactly. And so I love this because I just want to plug what your wisdom is, is like, if you feel triggered by somebody, look at what is the pattern within them that's triggering me and where am I not de I'm denying or not accepting that part of me so that I can feel more of my wholeness. I can feel more well-rounded. I don't necessarily have to do it in the same way that they're doing it, but to say yes to that part of me so that I can feel a yes to my full spectrum. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Another one that a lot of people have resistance towards is the researcher. Yeah. They're like, I, it's so slow and boring <laughs> and I feel like I'm being back in school and I'm yeah. forced into it, but then you can't really believe what you say because you haven't researched it. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of afraid of speaking mm -hmm. that maybe if just doing a little bit of research, asking different people for their opinions, sitting with something would just make you so much more confident yeah. in what you have to say. Yeah. I think Andrew Huberman is like the science teacher for Western culture. I feel like he's making science actionable, practical. I think that's why people are craving that. Yes. And we're not all cut out to do that, but to be able to do a little bit more research before we believe something or to buy in and share it, I think mm -hmm. could be a really good skill for all of us. Yeah. I think that's also why Joe Dispenso is such mm -hmm. a phenomenon because for people who maybe won't believe like Abraham Hicks, who's just like channeling, channeling you know, <laughs> yeah. is like, okay, well, here's kind of a bridge. Here's how we can show. And, and it is just as quantum, yeah. you know, but he's presenting it in this different way that appeals more to the Western logical mind. Yeah. So that's just one aspect of your dharma. Yeah. Yeah. So the next aspect is what you're excited about. So I always say excitement are the breadcrumbs guiding you towards your dharma. Mm -hmm. So if you think about even your life, like I'm curious for you, Alyssa, like what were the things you were Google searching a few years ago or the conversations you wanted to have or the podcasts you wanted to listen to or the retreats you wanted to go on? Like what was that for you? Yeah. I mean, I think up until I was maybe 28, all I cared about was awakening. And then from after 28, it was business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those were the two primary and then relationships of so spirituality, coaching, and healing have always been the three things I'm most interested in. And that's your dharma and that's yeah. what you share. Yeah. Because you want, you desired that for yourself. Mm -hmm. You were curious about it. You were fascinated mm -hmm. about it. Without the excitement, you're not going to get enough of that fire revved up mm -hmm. for something to be your dharma. Yeah. Right? Because it takes a lot of hours, a lot of devotion. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I differentiate. Dharma comes from devotion rather than discipline. Mm -hmm. Discipline is something outside of you. I got to wake up at this time and do the morning practice or else. And it's yeah. like devotion is like, I'm so obsessed with learning about this thing, yeah, you know, and it. you you desired so deeply to awaken and that's what guided, and you were just doing it for you, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that's what guided you into studying spiritual psychology mm -hmm. and the work and you know, mm -hmm. all of the, becoming a coach and doing all of the things. And then you're like, how do I make a business? How do I transition from therapist to full-time coach? What does mm -hmm. that look like? How do I do an online business? Mm -hmm. What? And then that's when we met like 2018, uh -huh. that we were all like hungry for more business stuff. Yes. And now it's like, the, now you, you asked me about like podcasting and social. Cause that's, that's the next thing. So I always look at the things that you were just like Google searching a few years ago, often become your dharma today. Totally. So following your liveness, following what excites you. Side note, when I first got this house, you came over, we had a vision, like mastermind yes. vision. What was it? A vision manifestation party. Yeah. That's where I did my first IG live. You encouraged me to get on IG. I was like, we've come so far from that first IG live. <laughs> And I led us through one of the manifestation processes that I, that I teach and you and I partnered and I was like, you know, we do this process where we like feel into the vision. I don't know if you remember this. I don't think I told you this, but I was like, I'm doing what I love, deeply serving people. I'm at, I have a seven figure business. Didn't totally feel like I could do it, but I was feeling into it. And then you went, you were like, 
I am, yeah, doing what I love. I make $2 million with ease. And I heard initially, I was like, I can't do that. Like literally I, I heard my mind limit me before I'd even started. So watch out for that. But I just want to plug, cause I remember years later we were in a mastermind. I was like, wait, we both have multi-million dollar companies now. So just plugging people in your community that you can grow with, that you're inspired by, that you can question the beliefs and just keep following your aliveness. Cause I think some people, they don't see it's possible and having a community of other people that are following what they want to do, even if it's off the beaten path can really help us know that it's safe, that you can make a good living, really make an impact doing what you love. Mm. I remember, I remember that day so perfectly. And I remember you bringing back to my awareness, the $2 million thing. Cause uh -huh. at that time it was like, I really didn't have much going on in my own business. Yeah. I was like 2 million. And it became my reality. Yeah. And I remember also the first time we mastermind, you guys all kind of had your businesses going on. I was doing more like social affiliate, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. Um, but I was like, I'm going to start a music festival and be a DJ. I remember. And you guys I are remember. like, this is a mastermind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think, and now I have a music festival. I know. Yeah. And, and I think it's one of the things that you are, uh, you live, like you being an enthusiast, you being a seven, seven you being yeah. fully expressed, you don't let the needing it to be perfect hold you back. And I think one of your gifts is that you go for it and you keep evolving and you let yourself bring all the different things that you love. I mean, you've made twerking a spiritual practice, bless you. That's true. <laughs> I even remember, well, we'll go into that in a moment, but it's like you, I don't know how long ago you started DJing like a year ago. No, like five years ago. Babe. Okay. okay <laughs> We've been friends for a long time. Okay. <laughs> it's all merging. Yeah. Anyways, you start DJing, you come out with this album, you're coming out with this like festival, you follow your joy. And like that I'm hearing is a breadcrumb where all these different worlds collide. And I think having that you bring something innovative and different when you say yes to what your truth is, left and right brain. I remember back in the day, maybe in my early 20s, I would meditate and I had cocktail. And my friends were like, how could you do both? I'm like, it's, it's not even, we don't have to separate parts of it. It's very normal now, but back in the day. And so I just see you as somebody that continues to evolve, that doesn't hide behind perfectionism, is willing to share your magic. And so I would love for you to share about your experience of how you hold that for somebody that is hesitant, that really is scared to share their work or scared to express. What would you say to them? Well, I would say it's, it's never that you're doing all of the things that represent you at once. Mm -hmm. And I find that a lot of people, they won't sign up for the DJ classes or whatever. Cause they're like, how does that link up with my coaching business? Yeah. Or how does that, so let me not even try. Okay. So I really have seasons of things, okay. right? I'll have like one month that I'm super focused on, on bringing my mastermind out and like doing that. Then I'll have a month that I'm like really focused on making music. I still do the other things in my business, mm -hmm. but it's like where my main creative focus is. Mm -hmm. If I'm writing a book, that's really the main creative focus. So it's not that I'm doing everything at once. I think that that's really important because super yeah. important. Like yeah. I think a lot of people jump and this is one of the ways that you're healthy as a seven and enthusiast in the mm -hmm. Enneagram where a lot of people jump, especially entrepreneurs to something else before it actually gets results. Exactly. I focus on one new thing a year. I put my everything into it and then I scale it and then I move on. Yeah. And maybe even six months is fine. If you're like really antsy, I would say three months, but for every new goal, it needs time to be nurtured. And so I love that you're saying focus. Yes. And I have a system for this called the Dharma Chakra system, which I want to finish up the blueprint. And then we can talk about the Dharma Chakra okay. system because <laughs> there's so many great systems. And this really is, I think one of the biggest things for multi-passionate people is like, I'm this, this, and that. And it's the integration of all aspects of you that are your Dharma. So your Dharma archetype 
what um, you're excited about. The next thing Mm -hmm. is what mediums come through you. Mm -hmm. Are you a writer? Are you Mm -hmm. a speaker? Even with that long form, short form, Mm -hmm. you know, like we were discussing your podcast last year and we were saying maybe your podcast is coaching. Like that's really where you thrive. You know, some people's medium is they're great at hosting parties. Mm. Some people's mediums is they're great with spreadsheets. Some people's mediums is they're great with legal documents. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like we all have different mediums. And I think that that's really important to know about ourselves. You know, when I started this journey, I really identified as a writer. Mm. All I wanted to do was write books. That's right. And I thought that was going to be my career. And I've written four books. But right now, I don't have any intention at this point in my life to write another book. I'm much more excited about, one, making music, two, creating a docu-series, creating video content Mm -hmm. because of of just the way, when I started my podcast, I would write down what I was going to say before. Mm -hmm. Like literally I did not feel confident enough to be able to speak on a whim. Mm -hmm. So if you go back and listen to my first ones from 2017, there's no video back then, but I'm like reading off of something. And it was (laughs) such a different vibe because I was like, I'm a, I'm a writer. I have to, it was like my safety mechanism to like have something that I knew was good before. And I think just for people that are listening to that and are in that situation, that's a stage. You don't have to judge yourself and that's totally okay. It's like training wheels. Let yourself- I would have never done it without it. Right. It's mm-hmm. just like be compassionate and let yourself grow and evolve. All good. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and then it, it shows you, like I have some friends that they start writing books and then they want to write novels, you know, and yeah. like go even deeper into like the art of the writing. Yeah. And so, so it shifts. So look at what mediums come through you. The next one is think about some obstacles that you have overcome or helped someone else overcome. Mm-hmm. So for me going through my family issues, my dad disowning me and, you know, coming from a lot of genera- generational trauma of my grandmother being in forced child marriages, no woman in my family ever having worked before, my mom being a refugee. I mean, a lot. My family comes from Iran. So it's like one of the most suppressed countries on earth and being the first person in my family to be born in the United States. It was a lot of Mm. um, pushing against the norm. Also being a divorced woman, Mm -hmm. add that on top of it and dealing with the betrayal. And, you know, there have been many obstacles on my path. And, you know, for the obstacle of overcoming the betrayal of my divorce is what led to me creating my album. And stepping into your power and your yourself. Exactly. So I find your obstacles, if there's anything to guide you towards your dharma, it's it's that, Yeah, you know? And I used to think when I got started, like the thing I'm going to talk about is like Deepak Chopra writing the forward of my book and that story. But the story I actually end up telling the most is, you know, crying on the floor after my dad telling me I was dead to him for following, deciding to go to India and follow my path and just being like, wow, Mm. I guess this whole thing was bullshit. They tell you to follow your dreams and (laughs) here I am doing it and I am dead to him. But you know what? If I'm dead to him, then I have no one else to live for but myself. That's right. And that was actually my awakening moment because that was finally when I stopped living for Mm -hmm. the pat on the head and the you're good enough and we're we're proud of you and realizing I'm never going to get that from someone who's not even proud of themselves. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't even want his life. So why would I only take advice from him? But yeah. It was, it was a really difficult time of my life because at that point I had no money. You know, I didn't have anywhere to go. I just went back to India. I lived in a hut, $2 a night hut in India with rats in it. Like a lot of people don't know the story that led me to be here. And it was Mm -hmm. like in those moments Mm -hmm. of despair on my knees, crying, like literally being like, God, I give up. Like I surrender, just show me the fucking way, Yeah, you know? And And oftentimes we don't want to tell those stories because we feel like it's going to make us seem like weak or that we don't have it together. Mm -hmm. Um, But I find that those are the stories that like really make us human. Yeah. Yeah. And I really hear 
you've consistently stayed true to yourself and you've had the courage because especially with a parent disowning you, like we want our, unconsciously, we want our parents' attention and approval because biologically we're wired to think that then they're going to protect us. And so like the courage it takes to honor your truth, even despite that is so big. And so what I'm hearing you say is really just following your aliveness, staying true to yourself, knowing that your obstacles are the stepping stone to your purpose, like putting it all, the things that like putting all of that together is what makes your expression unique in the world and just yeah. staying true. Absolutely. And it wasn't that I was like a hundred percent at all times, like believing in myself. It would yeah. be like, I would take two steps forward and then one step back and yeah. two steps forward and one step back. But I think having experiences where you feel true to yourself become an anchor point and then you know what it's like and you know it's possible. Mm -hmm. And then when you're in these situations that are not that and you're trying to lie to yourself to just like you think it's easier to just like pretend this is okay, mm -hmm. you can't. It's mm -hmm. like realizing you're a lion but you're in a cage, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And and I catch myself even, even today, like I have these experiences on a daily basis, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, what does being true to me look like in this moment? Especially when it comes to love, guys, whoa. <laughs> so it's yeah, your obstacles and even obstacles you've helped someone else overcome. Yeah. You know, if you had a parent that had cancer, yeah, oftentimes that becomes your mission to learn everything about it. Or if, and an obstacle can be something like, I moved around a lot as a kid and I had to like learn how to like dress cute to get people to talk to me. And like, I help people with their styling mm -hmm. or it could, you know, it could be anything. There's no obstacle too big or too small, but I believe that all of our dharmas are here to solve world problems yep. in some type of way. Yep. And often it is a former version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So think about what was keeping you up at night three five, seven years ago mm -hmm. and how you have overcome that. Mm -hmm. And that red thread that brought you here is mm -hmm. your dharma. That's right. And I do think consciously choosing a path based on what we've already done the inner work with, because mm -hmm. I think sometimes people can unconsciously say, I'm going to help them when they're really trying to help themselves because they haven't healed. So just to be aware of that so that we do our own work, it doesn't mean we have to be perfect, yeah. but we have to proactively be doing our work. So we're not trying to heal ourselves through others or th through solving a world problem so that we come from the inside out yes. rather than the outside in. I always say, think about the things that, again, were at least three years ago. Yeah. Because if it's something that you're dealing with right now, it's still a wound. So and we want to be working on something that's more of a scar. Yeah. You know, because if it's like, let's say right now I became like the divorce coach. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one. <laughs> I'm like, I'm crying with you, homie. Um, so, so go for the things that aren't, whereas Dharma is like, I've been living my Dharma for over a decade and I've, I've sat, sat with it enough that if someone's like, I'm not sure I'm not triggered by it because yeah. I know it's possible. Yeah. Right. That's right. Um, whereas if I'm not totally living my Dharma and then you're not sure if it exists now, we're both like triggered and insecure, exist, you know, <laughs> don't take the leap. Yeah. Right. But then, but something that you might be able to help with is not to wake up with crippling anxiety every day, Yeah, you know, or how to have a little, a little bit more work-life balance mm -hmm. or how to have more time for your kids or how to, you know, stop listening to your inner critic. Like we also negate all of the work that we've done to get to this point. If you're listening to Alyssa Nobriga's podcast, guys, <laughs> you have done a lot of inner work. Like this is not for the faint of heart, yeah. you know? So, and and sometimes we think everyone is in the spiritual space and yeah. they're not. Yeah. It's like, go to the gas station. Yeah, yeah. Go, go to the airport, go to the grocery store. <laughs> You'll mm -hmm. see most people out there have never even heard. If you say I'm a coach, they're like Coach Carter, like basketball coach. Yeah, like yeah. they never heard of it. Yeah. Whereas we just follow them all on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So we're like, everyone's a spiritual <laughs> life coach, living their dharma, raising the nation of the planet. It's no space for me. It's yeah. like, no, we're just all following each other. Yeah.
And we need more people that are actually elevating the planet through our consciousness and through the work that we do in the world. Exactly. But I hear you saying, you know, you have unique ways to serve right now based on your life experience, no matter where you are, who you are, there's something that you've gone through that you can offer value to others through it. And Mm -hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. And your demographic too, like someone who is a former lawyer Mm -hmm. could speak to people who are lawyers right now Mm -hmm. because they understand they can use that vocabulary. You know, one of my um, coaches at my school, she worked in engineering. So instead of like saying, live your Dharma, she's like engineer your path and like uses their vocabulary. She's like, it's time for your iOS update. And like, you know, and it's it's so speaking to that audience. Exactly. So we're all really saying the same thing, but in different ways. Yeah. And we need to hear it from different people in different ways for it to really click. Exactly. I want to move to creativity because I don't think it's that nurtured in our society and you intentionally nurture your creativity. Like I, I remember, um, when, well, even just the other day at Mia's book release, like you're painting a candle and I'm like, I didn't literally, I was like, I don't want to work more right now. And so I just watched you guys hung out. I also remember when you were, I think you took improv for a while. I I think that you, even when you were learning to twerk, I remember you called me, you're like, you want to do this class? I Googled it. I'm like, damn what these women can do. (laughs) Like I was so blown away and I got distracted with work. And so you know, I'm going to be exploring some of it. And I'm, I just hired a CEO. I'm getting out of some of the day to day. I'm feeling really grateful. And what do you tell people that haven't prioritized their creativity? Cause it brings innovative, new, fresh ways to serve, to problem solve. We have left and right brain integration. It's like, I love the tapestry and creativity of you saying yes to all of your life to be able to serve in unique ways. But what about people like me who can get busy or not nurture it as much? You know, sometimes when I, for example, I did improv for a few months Mm -hmm. and it started with, I went to an improv show and I'm like, these people are so funny. Like I would love to do that. And then I like tried to get together some friends and I was like, let's do improv. But it was just like, none of us really knew what we were doing. And I realized if I actually want to do this, I need to go to classes for Mm -hmm. it. And of course it was like two times a week, like four hours. And it's like, (laughs) I had to drive far and I had every excuse why not to go, you know? But I knew that the next four months are gonna pass regardless. Mm -hmm. And what joy it would give me to have a break Mm-hmm. to like laugh and be silly and be creative and be funny, even though I have to drive at night, like leave my house. Like, trust me, I don't like leaving when it's dark either. Mm-hmm. So I just sign up for things, especially things that are like a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And then since I'm a Capricorn, once I pay, I just go. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what I often do. That's what I did for DJ school. That's what I do for, for dance classes. And I, honestly, the hardest part, it's like going to the gym. The hardest part yeah. is just getting yourself there. Yeah. So signing up for containers, signing yes. up for things that you're on this journey with other people, I find really holds you accountable. And now so much of what I do is informed by these creative mm-hmm. aspects of myself. So when I'm teaching people how to speak and give their keynotes, mm-hmm. I'm using a lot of what I've learned from improv. Totally. You know, when I presented at Mind Valley in front of a thousand people, I started with a clip that I produced of music and I'm like dancing along with people. Yeah. So it has just become so much of who I am, which has amplified my business. Mm-hmm. So it's often, if you are someone that will only do something, if there's like a direct ROI, it's it's knowing that these things, you know, especially when it comes to personal brands is like, 
you, people have to resonate with your personality. And if Mm -hmm. all you do is work, that's like not really that fun. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we think as new coaches, it's about like the perfect funnel. And like, we're just spending all our times on the funnel. And it's like, imagine some that all they do is like fucking rate funnels. Like, unless that's their highest delight, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think funnels are fun. And Natalie Ellis, who was just on here, (laughs) (laughs) loves them, is fantastic at them. So that's her part of her gift in Dharma. But it's not fun for you and I. And there's other things. And she, the girl pulled it says let's be real yeah she, she does she does she's good on the pole you know and she she has her own creative outlets yeah. and I think most people that we look up to there is something about them that's out of the box if all you do is mm-hmm. you meditate and you teach and you this and you that it's, it's like you're rigid. so boring yeah. and we're not trying to be boring here yeah. so let's have fun yeah you bring so much fun into everything you do <laughs> I love it. And so speaking of speaking, you, I had the pleasure of flying out to Austin to speak on your stage, which is so fun. And I got to see you just own the room. Like you have such a charismatic way of sharing and I'm sure you've had a journey with it. It sounds like in the beginning you were writing for your podcast and you have like what, like 600 podcast episodes. So like it's evolved, but share with us. I know a lot of people want to have a voice. They want to feel confident in expressing. Can you share some of the internal and external work that we can do to really claim our voice and take up space as humans or as women? The less I care, the better of a speaker I become, period. Yeah. You know, when I try to give a talk and memorize what I'm going to say and do it that like old school patriarchal Ted talk way, no hate on Ted talk, but it's like, that's just not the future to be like, this is my talk. And every single word has to be this because I don't trust my intuition. Mm -hmm. Like there's a magic that comes alive when there is this third party, which is your highest self that comes to the table. So the more I can get out of my own way, none of those talks did I plan Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm literally sitting in the audience, just like everyone else, like, well, this is a good talk. And then I come on and I'm the exact same version of myself that I am sitting down that I am on stage. Mm -hmm. And I noticed when I started speaking, I would like see these other speakers and they like did their like holding hands in like the circle and like praying to Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Rachel Hollis, like, you know, and like, so I was like, oh, that's what you must do. You got to like get into the energy of speaking. So like, I was like, I have to like protect my energy. Like no one talked to me in this. (laughs) And then it would just be like, I was so in my head about like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Oh my God, I'm going to go on now. What am I going to say? And now I'm just like, I'm just, I'm going to be me, you know? I love it. And then it's like, it's not exhausting anymore. So it's like, I did a three day talk, like three day conference thing, whatever it was, the highest self weekend. Yeah. And then I just like went to the movies after mm-hmm. because I wasn't being anyone else. And also what are you willing to put on the table? I think being a good speaker is being vulnerable, sharing, being honest. And like, and that's the same thing as creating good social media content, yeah. being a speaker. It's like, there has to be something that you're risking a little bit. Okay. If all I say is just, I'm playing it super safe yeah, and I'm like doing it with this perfect smile, <laughs> my perfect blood, and I'm just like a perfect girl in LA. It's like, it's so boring. Yeah. But if I'm like, yeah, I still wake up many a days and I'm super anxious or I wonder if I'm ever going to find a partner or, you know, all of the things it's like, I'm, pu- I'm putting myself on the table mm-hmm. and that's what we're desiring more than anything. We're, we're, we're craving humanness. Like the word authenticity has become such a buzzword in yeah. our social space, but it's like, what actually is authenticity, you know? So it doesn't mean you have to share like your deepest, darkest secret, like tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I find the things that you're the most ashamed about 
are the things that actually are the things that make you, you are the things that guide you to your Dharma. So for me, when I started like sharing a little bit of my twerk videos, I was like, I can never (laughs) share this. Like I am an Ayurveda author with three forwards by Deepak Chopra. Like no way I'll, I will be canceled. Yeah. And it started with my friend shared one video because we went together on his story. And I was like, oh my God, people are gonna see. And then I like reshared his story and then I deleted it after 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I like shared a little bit more. And then I like, and it was like, I didn't feel yeah. even safe sharing on my story. And then I would get like a great response. People were like, wow, I didn't know that you danced. Like, I didn't know you did that. And I would share a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Am I safe here? Yeah, I'm yeah. safe here. Yeah. Am I safe here? I'm safe here. That now it's like, I'm doing a music video with a 10 foot Python on me. Like, you know, and, <laughs> but it, I didn't start here. Yeah. I started with taking these little risks and building my nervous system to know that I am safe, including knowing I am safe when people don't like me. Yes. Yes. And I think it's important, the small bites so that your nervous system can handle it. Because I think sometimes they're like, they hear something like go for it and then they rock their nervous system and then they get paralyzed. And from a nervous system regulation standpoint, it's never going to be healing or integrative if we do that. So these small steps towards, am I safe noticing it and just 5% more, whatever that tolerance is for you so that you stay within your window of tolerance can help you feel safe while you explore your edges. I think it's really important, especially people have big T trauma, just to say yes, when you feel safe enough and to make sure you've got the tools to soar in source the level of safety and maybe practice with your friend first and then, you know, incrementally keep going. But I love that you, you bring that up because I think that's really important. And also who are, whose opinion are we afraid of? Sometimes we're afraid of what will they say? Who is they? And it's really just a projection of our self. Yeah. What we are afraid people are think about us is what we think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so then, yeah, doing the work around that projection yeah. at the root so we can let go of the middleman. Yeah. I find a lot of times it's people at your job, you mm-hmm. know, especially if you're stepping into being a coach is you're afraid people at your work will be like, who does she think she is that mm-hmm. she's like giving people advice? Like she doesn't know what she's talking mm-hmm. about. So it's like people at her jobs, people from former lives of ourselves. Like yeah. if you used to work somewhere or your college or your high school, um, a lot of times it's family members yep. as well. I would say block them to be honest, mm-hmm. because we can't based our Instagram on what our dads are going to think of us, (laughs) you know, and, and maybe after you've gained more trust, you can, and like a huge piece of it too, is people don't feel comfortable sharing their story when there's other people involved. Yeah. And that was a huge thing for me as well of, I can't really tell my full story without sharing my parents' story and their interaction with me, Mm -hmm. but they obviously don't want this story to be shared. And and so that was really hard and it took a lot of time. And I remember when I first wrote Discover Your Dharma, I didn't put my story in there. Mm-hmm. And the editor was like, well, it's a little bit strange that you're talking about this and you're not sharing your own. I'm like, I can't, I've already been disowned by my parents again. I built my way back. I don't yeah. want to go through this again. Yeah. But then I realized like, I can't, this is also my story. That's right. You know? And so it wasn't this like, I would write different versions of it. And that chapter was the chapter I spent the longest on. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I would write the chapter like knowing that my parents were going to read it and what would I write? Mm -hmm. Then other times I would write the chapter like if this was my journal and I let it all out, what would I write? So I wrote different versions and then I actually showed it to different people of different ages. So I showed it to elders. I showed it to mothers. I showed it to friends. I showed it to different people and I Mm -hmm. asked their opinion. So even if you read it and it's the first chapter... I honor how I felt in that moment while also acknowledging 
my dad was just afraid for me. Yeah. You know, he just wanted me to be safe Yeah, and he didn't know what to do. He saw I was going to India and taking this alternative path. He literally thought I was going to be homeless. Yeah. So all he knew what to do is to use power. negative words and mm -hmm. power to try to stop me because mm -hmm. he felt helpless, yep. you know, and why, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy, he didn't have his basic needs met. He had yep. to flee his country. Like he barely had parents raising him. I'm amazed he's doing as well as he is, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I can have empathy for that and also have empathy for myself. Right. And like, that was very real. Me not telling the story is not helping either of us. And actually telling the story was like the final leg of the healing around it. Mm. You know, when I first wrote it, I knew if I asked them for their permission, they would say no. Yeah. But also I felt I wrote the story in a way that never blamed them. Yeah. Um, but was true to myself. So finally, right before it came out, I sat them down and I told them that I was writing it. It was actually my mom who was very disappointed mm -hmm. of like, why are you, why are you writing this? Like, why don't you write about that? We sent you to summer camp. Mm. <laughs> like, hey guys, I went to summer camp and I went kayaking and now I'm living my dharma. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's not how I got here. And I was like, mom, she's like, you're so ungrateful. Like all you talk about yeah. is the negative. Like you're making this up. Like you're saying this for attention, like anything mm -hmm. that she could. Mm -hmm. I was like, mom, I'm so grateful for everything you've done for me. And the thing that I am the most grateful for is this. Mm -hmm. Because had you not believed in me, I wouldn't have learned how to believe in myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm so grateful I got even the space, but I'm so grateful for this resistance mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have gotten the courage yeah. and the strength and the belief and the trust in something greater than me had it not been for that. And I think that's a hard thing for parents to understand because they want, it's like my benevolent actions are what guided you, not like the traumas, yeah. you know, I yeah. don't think any parent wants to admit that there was any trauma and in trauma today we've brought into that word whereas when parents hear I had trauma they're Everybody like has <gasps> trauma yeah yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, you know you had a perfect childhood yeah. you know <laughs> it was perfect shut up <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it took time and eventually I was like you know what if they want to not talk to me for writing this it's just like mm-hmm proving my point you know like it's just the same thing yeah i'm gonna write about that yeah no. exactly I'll just write another right now and eventually it's like your parents want you in their lives yeah you know yeah. and when there's it's like it's being printed and it's out and i think a lot of times they're afraid there's going to be like a public cancellation on them mm -hmm. all their friends are going to read i think they're mm -hmm. very concerned about that i'm like other people think of them yeah i'm like yo like you guys haven't even read my yeah. book <laughs> like i don't think they've ever read it no. let alone your friends yeah. you know so but then i got more comfort and i could share a little bit more and a little bit more like now I know for a fact my mom is not listening to this mm -hmm. so I can mm -hmm. I can share about it and even if she does it's like I'm sure she won't like it but it's it's my truth and my story yeah and I think the way you share it is quite resolved. You mm -hmm. can see the higher perspective you can see from a compassionate lens. I always said when I was a therapist if I judged somebody I was being lazy because once I heard their story I had compassion. Yes. And that we all can have compassion for where we are doesn't mean it's permissible, totally. but we can have compassion. And so the work that you've done, I think is another way to honor them while still, like you said, honoring your truth. So yes. And, yeah. and so I hear a lot of the internal work with letting go, which is beautiful. Do you feel like that's it? Like that's it. Or do you, in terms of speaking, do you also work with anything else? You're just like, let me just show up and authentically express, which I'm all about, by the way, if that's the case. Yeah, no, I've, I've really, I mean, I've recorded over 600 episodes. I've spoken on yeah. a lot of stages. I've learned a lot about speaking. I think it starts with being a good storyteller. Yeah. 
And storytelling doesn't mean hitting every point of your story, but taking people into one moment of your story. So like the moment I shared with you of being on my knees in my childhood room, looking up at my toys, in a puddle of tears, crying as my dad is yelling at my mom saying, look, she's become useless just like you. Like that moment in time is when I stepped into my dharma. Mm-hmm. And I could tell you, well, I did this and that and that, but it's like, it's like they're right there. So I find bring people into an experience and bring people into how you felt. Like at that moment, to be honest, I didn't even feel, I just felt nothing. Yeah, I felt numb. Mm-hmm. I felt I'm living my nightmare right now. Mm-hmm. And so if this is, if this is it, if this is rock bottom, where am I going to go from here? Cause at this time I had a breakup. I found out my ex was cheating on me. I had no friends because I had kind of moved into spirituality. People thought I was crazy. I had no money. Like I was at this, like if part of what I, I believe was true, what my dad was saying, I was a loser. Yeah. I identified like that. And from that place of just being broken open, I decided, well, if this is the rock bottom, I'm going to start building a new pathway. Mm. And I met this girl in Bali who was hosting a yoga retreat. And she said that I could come teach Ayurveda on the retreat and she would get me a flight back to India. Mm. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll just do that. Instead of like asking my parents, like, Hey, I think I'm going to go to India. I think this, or like try and get them to understand. And like, mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm going, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that was like a feeling of like unfuck with ability that yeah. came through me of just like, no longer trying. So bring people into those moments that, you know, it still brings tears to my eyes like 10 years later Mm -hmm. because it's so real. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel those are the moments that are the most raw and true. Mm -hmm. And they lead you somewhere. And so if somebody's at that point in your life right now, just know that we're both sending you so much love and know that you were held and supported. And this is a redirect. This is leading you to something else, something bigger, your Dharma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know we've talked quite a bit about spirituality. What are some of your favorite spiritual rituals or practices that kind of awaken you more deeply? Yeah. So before my divorce, you know, they have like B, B, C, <laughs> B, D before divorce. <laughs> um, I was like doing breath work and this. And then after that, you know, it was another, it was, it was even worse than the situation, to be honest. Like it was another on my knees moment. Yeah. And I was so broken open that I couldn't do the breath work and the journal and the this. I just needed to feel. Yep. So my practice became one of embodiment. Mm-hmm. So I would just like sit up on my bed and play a song, like whatever song. Sometimes you like wake up with a song in your head or what song you're feeling. And, you know, the first few months, there's just a lot of grief, a lot of anger, a lot of sadness. And I would just like let myself feel that, but while moving my body, Mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't just stuck and it wasn't like this like pity party, but it was like, I'm feeling the tears and I'm I'm moving through it. Then I would bring like self-touch in, like just touching my arms, touching my hair, touching my face the way that I would a lover. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's listening to this after going through a breakup or a divorce, that's the thing that you're mourning the most Mm -hmm. is like, it feels like you've been stripped out of love, Mm. like out of like the Holy divine. And now you're on your own. And then that's why people go straight into another relationship Mm -hmm. because it's hard to sit in your aloneness. Yeah. So I started really romanticizing my own life. Mm. And, you know, from there of just like touching myself, I would a lover, I would, you know, think of what are the things that really just like turn me on, you know? Mm. So I would like start decorating my house in all pink and, you know, getting myself (laughs) flowers and just like going on the yoga mat and just like doing cat cow and really like deliciously like moving my body. So it just became a lot more 
my body guiding me what I needed that mm-hmm. morning rather than my mind. Mm-hmm. And as your friend, I just want to say, I got to witness you through a really dark time, find your depth and power in a whole nother way. Mm-hmm. So I know these times can feel like, you know, they suck. They, they're hard and there are gifts within them. Yeah. So, and it's easier to see that in hindsight, but you know, a typical seven, like the, the shadow of a seven is to feel happy and not go to there or bypass. And you really went there and it helped you f- be more well-rounded. Yes. And I can feel the embodiment and the depth that you tapped into as a result of it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting when a big trauma happens when you've done the spiritual work, mm-hmm. because it's like you're awake within a dream, mm-hmm. you know, like when I was 23 doing this, I didn't know. So I can look back, but then when something like this happens and you're I already had written the books and the podcasts and things. Yeah. And, and I'm like, how did I not know about, about this? I mean, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of layers of working through, especially around being gaslit, especially around self-trust. I mm-hmm. think that's what often happens with betrayal of you're just like, how do, if I didn't know this, can I really trust myself? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so I really had to start to unravel a lot of the, the childhood and ancestral layers that even allow me to be in this relationship for so long, mm-hmm. you know, granted not knowing about the betrayal, but like, how was I in a relationship where there was so much separation mm-hmm. where there were different lives being led and going back to my childhood and my relationship with my father, my dad would work all day, come home. We would be perfect little kids for him, sit, uh, have dinner, ask him questions, be perfect and engaging until he was ready to go back into his office. And it was like, that's what a man does. Mm-hmm. He provides you be perfect for him. And then he goes on to do more important things. Mm-hmm. And so I was used to that, you know, I was used to, so for having a husband that was never around me all the time, I'm like, oh, because he has more important things than me. That's what a man does Mm -hmm. subconsciously and thinking, well, eventually maybe one day will come that, you know, he's done all his work and has time for me. Mm -hmm. That day doesn't come, Mm -hmm. you know, and had it not been for this experience, I would have stayed in that marriage forever. Yeah. Because that's how I've been conditioned as a Persian woman of like, you get married and this is your husband till death do you part, period. You don't question it. Yeah. You know? And then, so I was like looking at what are all the other things I've never questioned in my life. Mm. So I feel a big on your knees moment, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a health challenge, whether it is a family obstacle, you can take it as the fertile soil to do all of the shadow work that you likely would have never done without this. So I started looking at my childhood. I started looking at my ancestry. I started looking at the generational story Mm -hmm. of this happening in my lineage and his lineage. And just asking myself, what are all of the ways that I have suppressed myself and who I am? And I never, I had no agenda when I would have the rebirth. I was like, I will die as long as it takes. Yep. And I think that's an important piece because I think sometimes people do the work so that then, and it doesn't work because love doesn't work that way. And we can, those parts of us can feel the agenda. So it's like, I, what happens if I'm, how can I approach it so that I'm willing to feel this forever? Yeah. And I run and it does move on, but the willingness not to love it so that then it moves on. It's not real love. So I love that you share that, you know, and it's funny cause I am such a naturally positive person, but I knew I'm like, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Like I am literally dead. The mm-hmm. old version of me no longer exists. Mm-hmm. And I will, at that point, I'm like, I'll probably never like bright colors again. I probably will never dance again. Mm. I probably won't be funny again. And that's okay. That's just who I was before this. Mm-hmm. I even told my team, like, we're rebranding. These are the new colors. <laughs> it's like dark <laughs> brown. And, you know, I'm like, this is it. <laughs> All I wrote about was death, 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 death. Cause that was true for me. Yeah. And I realized that 
sometimes when you don't embody your shadow within yourself, you date and marry it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and my draw to this person as a Scorpio was, was the darkness. Cause I didn't, I didn't meet the darkness within myself. Mm -hmm. I was so afraid of pain. Mm -hmm. So afraid. So my practice became doing cold plunges, mm -hmm. which I really did not want to do. Yeah. And I would sit in it and I would tell myself it's just sensation. It's yeah. just sensation. Because in life, when those waves come that you're just like, oh my God, are these tears ever going to stop? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just sensation. Mm -hmm. It's just sensation. That's Instead right. of even trying to coach yourself through it, yep. it's just like, can I be with this? Let it be. And what happens on the other end of feeling like deeper levels of, of the grief is like deeper levels of joy, deeper levels of trust. I never even understood what the word surrender meant before this. Yeah, You know, people would say, oh, surrender. I was like, my mom couldn't have surrendered because she wouldn't have fled her country on foot. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't have surrendered. I wouldn't have gone against patriarchal conditioning. I don't understand surrender. Mm -hmm. You have to go for what you want. And I'm like, oh no, sometimes there are things that there's nothing you can do. Door is closed. You just yep. have to accept. Yep. And it's just surrendering that this is happening for greater reasons than me that I can't understand at this moment of time mm -hmm. that like literally it was like one day you have one life and the next day you have another, whether it's a, a finding out about betrayal, cancer diagnosis, something big. Mm -hmm. That's just like, I surrender that this is for a divine plan and mm -hmm. I trust, and I will just notice the synchronicities that are guiding me towards what's to come next. And that's just how I began living my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was supposed to go to Egypt with him and I ended up just going myself with my friend and just giving myself like 10,000 funerals, like mourning my identity as a wife, mourning my, just so many mm -hmm. aspects of myself. And then a friend of mine was in Bali and was like, come to Bali and heal. So I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, I left with one suitcase from that apartment. I never went back. Wow. I don't have a piece of my former life. I gave him everything. And to this day, everything I have is new from then. Wow. I literally walked out that door into a new reality, but I had to let myself fully undo. Yeah. Once I get to Bali, my friend's mom is passing away. So he has to leave. So now I'm just in Bali by myself. You were which meant is, to be in Bali because Bali is very healing and feminine and will embrace you. Right. But I had to learn how to be alone. I'm yeah. alone in Bali. Don't know a single person there. And that was like the thing I, you know, after something like this happens, you're so scared of being by yourself because mm -hmm. you don't want to feel yeah. everything yeah. that it was like, okay, you're going to sit in the mystery school of your aloneness right now, right. especially the everyone's on a different time zone. And like, what mm -hmm. are you afraid of? And so sometimes I would just like sit with like, like sometimes the aloneness feeling would come and I would like reach for of my phone, yeah. reach for Instagram, reach for whatever. And it's like, go into the aloneness, what's there. That's and I'm right. like, I'm afraid if I'm alone, I'll be forgotten. It's like, mm -hmm. why would you be forgotten? It's like, I'm afraid if I, people don't know who I am, I don't matter. Why do you think you won't matter? It's like, well, and then I'm not doing anything for the world. Then what? then I don't deserve to take up space in this world. Mm -hmm. And so that was the underlying belief of if I'm not active in the world with other people, I don't deserve to live. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is like a fundamental, like human thing that we yeah. have of just like- Trying to exist and belong. I, yeah, that I have to work. I have to be, it's like, mm -hmm. does the tree make a noise if it falls by itself? It's like, if, if, if no one, so I would sit with, let's say this is just me for the rest of my time. I just live alone on this mountain and no one knows I exist. Like, mm -hmm. am I worthy of life? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, of course I would be. So it's like, so then why do I feel like I have to keep reaching out to people and this and that? And it's like, underneath that aloneness was just peace. Yes. And I was so afraid of that peace. 
It's so ironic that the thing that we are afraid of actually opens us. It's a doorway to what we deeply desire. Mm -hmm. When we meet this sensation of aloneness in our body directly without a story, it opens us to the deepest connection there is. And this peace, this oneness that we would, we have to have the courage and willingness to go there to discover it for ourselves. Yeah. And sometimes that's life bringing us to our knees and other times it's through curiosity but I just honor your courage to go there. I see how you have risen as this phoenix and who you are as a result. And I hope that this story just encourages people wherever they are in their path, whether they're in the dark night of the ego, because it's not the soul, or they are in the rising. Like it's all part of it. It's mm -hmm. all serving. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone's in it right now, I just feel you. Mm -hmm. And mine, this was December of 2022 wasn't even that long ago, yeah. you know, and I have completely shifted every aspect of myself of like, and it showed me how malleable personality really is mm -hmm. as well of like, you think I'm at this kind of person or that kind of person, but then something like this happens. And then it's like, is left, right, right. You don't even know. Mm -hmm. And, and what brought me through this was like, I know this is happening for a greater reason than me. I know every lesson I learn, I'm going to share it because that is who I am. Mm -hmm. So God, you have put me in this mystery school that you want me to share about this and everything I learn along the way, I will be of service to passing it along. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously it's like the last thing I wanted to share about, especially at the beginning and especially with another person being involved. And now I've learned even in this past year, I've been in, you know, many interesting of situations and, <laughs> um, but I'm like, it's not just me. And I think that that's your Dharma gives you this North star and it gives you something greater than you. And especially in those times where, you know, feel your feels, but then sometimes it's like you get lost in oh, them yeah. that then like having a call with my students, mm -hmm. it would remind me who the fuck I was, Yeah, you know, like being on that stage and having hundreds of people there. And I was just like, I'm oh, yeah. Sahara Rose bitches. Like what? <laughs> like, you know, and it's like, sometimes you have to remind yourself yeah. that because it's like, you can just forget and be like, Oh my God, this happened in that. And it's like, so especially for women, like having your Dharma gives you something so much greater to like tie. And then it gives meaning. So when these obstacles and these challenges, these waves happen, you know, it's just part of it, just informing it. Like, okay, thanks God. You're redirecting me. I guess we're moving into the love department here. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Let's go, yeah. you know? And it's like every lesson you transmute it and then you share it and then you share it. And, you know, I'm sharing the story and, um, even though I'm not like totally on the other side that I'm like, and yeah. now I'm with the love of my life and yeah. it was all worth it. It's like, I'm still in it. Yeah. Um, so I also want to give permission for sharing your story when you don't have that like perfectly cinched happily ever after, mm -hmm. because yeah. bringing people along with your journey, I think is also really important. Yeah. I see a lot of people on social media, they like only want to share the perfect. So it's like, I wouldn't coach on this stuff right now, mm -hmm. but I share it because if I just showed up and I'm like, Hey guys, by the way, I just want to update you on the past three years. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> here I am now. And yeah. it's so bring people along with you on your journey. And that's the beauty and the gift of social media. And a lot of people, they have a hard time with like, what about like, I want to change my niche, you know, but if you brought people along on the journey, they would understand how your niche mm -hmm. changes. Now mm -hmm. the majority of what I share on my podcast is about love and sexuality. Mm -hmm. But if I was like, out of, didn't talk about it for a year. And then it was like, Hey guys, we're shifting now about this. It would be like, <laughs> where did that come from? But they watched me through that yeah. journey and they know that this is what I'm so excited about talking about. So it's naturally going to come into everything. Totally. Yeah. You bring your audience along with you as you grow and evolve. It's yeah. beautiful. And just in closing, I'm so curious to hear what you would, what you wish you would have known earlier or what you would tell yourself 
in the past now based on what you know? Yeah. You know, I, almost every day I think about where I was like one year ago mm. because one year ago I was like, I was really in it. Mm. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like even right now I told you, I was like, I was going to Trinidad and one year ago you were on my podcast and I was in this very much like, where do I live question, yeah. Yeah. you know? So I often think of like, what would I tell that version of myself? And I'm like, well, I would tell her like we all would, don't worry, it's all going to work out. But <laughs> would I have believed that? No, it's like ultimately we need to have the not knowing mm -hmm. to understand our own inner knowing, mm -hmm. right? But then what I remind myself of that it always works out means the thing that right now I'm craving, I'm yearning for, I'm wondering if it exists, like it's there. Yeah. You know, it's there. I never thought I would have this business. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would have these friends. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would have this home. I never thought I would, you know, have my dog. I, so many blessings in my life I, I would have never imagined. So all I can do is trust that the thing that right now I'm praying for will one day happen. And also there will be other things by then. It's like yeah. the desire is a moving target and there will be other things that you then don't have. And, you know, to remind yourself of the preciousness of this stage of your life. Yeah. I think that's why it's so helpful hearing people in different stages of like, you know, when you're single, you're like, oh my God, I just want partnership. And then people with partnership are like, wow, you have so much freedom. And, you know, people who want a baby are looking and it's like, I mean, if I, if only I had an answer to how can we be happy where we are in the present moment, <laughs> that would be the new Jesus. Um, but to just remind yourself that you are right now living the prayer that you once had and everything that you were desiring is desiring you back. Your dreams are dreaming you back. They're not in you for a coincidence. They're in you for a higher reason. And because that little seedling is there, that's the excitement that's guiding you to the next breadcrumb of your dharma. Mm -hmm. And how you get there is what you will share with others. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sister. Thank you for being so open and authentic. I love you. Thank you for your wisdom. Hmm. Well, I love seeing this come to fruition. I remember last March we were in Sedona and you were yes. thinking about your podcast and what to name it. And like, here That's it is right. with, of course, a moss sign. Moss so on brand for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I've loved having you as a friend in my life for like seven years. It's been a minute now. It's been amazing. Yeah. And just you've been such a rock and you're so nurturing and playful mm. and loving and you draw together the most incredible people and guys like she's real deal. Like she's been like undercover incognito. So I'm glad it's out in the world because this queen is so wise and so impactful and mm. just like, thank you for, thank you for being one of my besties. I love you so much. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and thank you for bringing so much play into my world. I am Still curious about the twerking. <laughs> I am going to. I got you, girl. You got way. a pole in your room. You got to use it. I do have a pole in my room. <laughs> I got a friend with a pole in a basement. What? I'm just kidding, like Jason. Uh, uh, unless Alyssa can do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> yes. Amelia's going to be one happy one. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. I love you. Thank you, sister. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this work that changes the world, starting with yourself. It truly does make a difference. And if you're finding value in this podcast, a cost-free way to support us is by leaving it up to five-star review. It does mean the world to us. And as a thank you gift, we're going to send you one of the most powerful tools that you will ever discover. You're going to get behind the scenes access, showing you how to live into your full potential without letting fear hold you back from stepping into your dreams. 
Just head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave a review now. You can take a screenshot before hitting submit and then go to alissanobriga.com forward slash podcast to upload it. And make sure to have your automatic downloads turned on wherever you listen so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I have so much magic I can't wait to share with you. And you can find all this information in the show notes below. But lastly, if you're on Instagram, I love connecting and hearing from you. So come on over and say hello. I'm at alissanobriga. Thank you again for being here. I cannot wait to share more with you.